Great to have you with us as well, wherever you might be listening this Friday morning. Gary Edwin's going to join us shortly. Bryce McGain, Miles Fitzner, still to come, thanks to McCafe, our official coffee partner. But now, well, the Matildas got their winning, uh, their World Cup campaign off to a winning start last night. It was a hard-fought 1-0 win over a plucky Republic of Ireland in front of a record crowd at Stadium Australia. Former Matilda Alicia Carnavas was there. Alicia, as we say good morning to you, I've got to say we've got some great feedback from the listeners this morning after your performance. Behind the mic alongside our very own Jordan Canella. So well done on that and good morning to you. Good morning, morning, Sam. Thanks for having me on. I think the voice is a little bit rusty. After last <laughs> night, we were contesting with 75,000 people in the open box, but absolutely unbelievable um, to see that in, in Australia for a FIFA World Cup and to be a part of that as well was just fantastic. So take us there. You touched on it, but what was it like, the build-up to the... It's been a long time coming, this uh, historical event of uh, enormous magnitude. What was it like at Stadium Australia? Set the, set the scene for us. Yeah, look, typical Australians, I guess, we, we arrive and we're pretty chill, right? We're pretty chill until we, we get into that stadium and you could just feel the energy as everyone started to build outside mm. the stadium. I think the Irish were, were far more impressive than us Aussies coming in where we were cool, calm and collected. And I think once everyone felt the enormity of, of the occasion and, of course, the enormity of the stadium and, and actually watching it fill before our eyes, it was just spectacular um, to have the world's media there. Um, Simply, simply amazing just to see how many, even the faces that you see on TV, but they're sitting next to you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for a Matilda's match at Stadium Australia. So pretty unbelievable. But look, um, the atmosphere, the Irish bought it, and I think we just responded with, with such confidence and, and the support for our girls was sensational. I actually said to our tech, James, he saw me, caught me there, shed a tear as the girls walked out because it's just such an enormous um, moment for women's sport in the country. And it was just something very, very special. So the anticipation was was palpable, obviously. What what of the reaction as the news would have filtered through of Sam Kerr's, obviously, absence an hour or so b- before kickoff, which was a massive shock? Yeah, huge shock for us as well. I mean, they kept it under wraps brilliantly, um, even in that press conference leading in uh, Tony Gustafsson and Sam Kerr the night before poker faces, right? So yeah. No one had any idea. And, and as we were waiting for the team uh, 11s to come out from both nations, we just, they popped up on our media screens and you have a look and then you have to look twice. No number 20, no Sam Kerr. And I think you just saw all around the media pack and the media scrum, people just Twitter, <laughs> people in shock that she wasn't actually playing. And of course, the news then coming out that it was this calf injury. I guess the concern for the Matildas and for Sam, because um, see she was just gutted not to be out there last night, is how long is this calf strain going to linger for? They're, they're saying she won't be back until the ma- match in Melbourne against Canada. But it's a calf strain. It's, it's um, ugh, You just never know. I hope mm. she's not out for longer than that. Yeah, it would depend on the tear or if it was tightness or, you know, it's hard to know from the outside, of course. And just... By the way, being on the outside as well, Alicia, they've come in for some criticism over the the need for secrecy, the way they handled it. You mentioned the press conference. She'd done the injury by then and obviously no suggestion she was uh, she was going to miss the game. So what of the way the Matildas and Tony Gustafsson sought to handle it? Yeah, look, I think it's a bit of strategy as well and I think it's not to overawe and take the sense of occasion out because Sam's not playing. Mm. I think we're in a, a really delicate position um, with the Matildas where Sam Kerr has almost become a bit of the Beckham, I guess, um, when he came through with England and we look at that and you've got a player who's, from a marketing angle, just absolutely enormous and sometimes that can overshadow 
um, a team as well. It can almost dominate the stories and, and the team can lose a bit of focus. So I actually didn't mind the strategy around it. Um, I actually thought it wasn't a bad strategy if you wanted to throw Ireland off, knowing that, in fact, um, mm. you know, they would have hinged their entire match plan or most of it anyway in and around Sam Kerr and how to handle her and any anything that then comes off her as well. So it was an interesting one. I, I appreciate the criticism, but I can see why they did it. Yeah. And what about Steph Catley, who takes the armband, of course? Now, can we speak and appreciate the temperament, the concentration, and the I guess the resolve to not only assume the captaincy in a massive moment, a massive game, for her and her country, but to then step up and deliver from the spot under enormous pressure in the second half. Yeah, that was just such a, it's just a wonderful moment, wasn't it? I mean, she's a natural leader anyway, Steph Catley, and she's the vice captain of the Matildas, so the captaincy naturally fell her way without Sam. I think the big thing, um, I was watching Steph so closely when she picked up the ball and walked up to the spot, and in that moment, she you could just see she was calm, cool, collected, but Stadium Australia rose up. For the first time, I've been in a stadium when there's a penalty about to be taken, Sam. Mm. Usually, the stadium goes quiet and waits, but Stadium Australia just raised the roof. It went off when she was when she was lining up to take that that pen. So the pressure, I'd imagine, that she perhaps would have felt, but she looked a world away. She just absolutely looked in her eyes a world away and so focused. So full credit to her because it was a quality, quality penalty. Wasn't it? I was just going to say, it wasn't just a penalty. Like, no one was saving that. That was an unbelievably accurate strike. <laughs> yeah, and exactly right. And she's she's known for it. She's a natural, confident, um, I guess, specialty set-piece taker. And penalties are one of those set-pieces. I'm sure she's practised time and time again. And she spoke about it after the match and said, you know, she just focused on what she always does, concentrates on where she's going to place the ball, takes a step back and just, mm. and converts. So super impressive and, and needless to say, just a, a moment that we can all cherish, I'm sure, for many years to come. So, Alicia, the win is all that matters for now. An opening game of a World Cup, you just take the points any day of the week, of course. And there would have been a layer of anxiety about opening the tournament and all the things that come with that, the expectation and the pressure to perform. But how convincing were we, do you think? And, and going forward, you know, how convincing were we? Yeah, it's, it's a funny thing. It's hard uh, to not be overawed by the occasion. And I think um, the main thing was that they've come away with the three points and in tournament football, in group stage World Cup football, mm. and that first win just takes that hoodoo off a team's back. And every single team in this tournament is searching for that first win just to feel a little more comfortable uh, for the next two matches that really sets teams up. And the Matildas, I think... Uh, have room for improvement after last night's performance. It wasn't it wasn't poor, but by no means was it their best either. And you know, you take away Sam Kerr as a part of their their natural game plan that does shift things for a team, and they have to adjust. So probably a few uh, turning over of possession that we wouldn't ordinarily see from particular players, and that comes with the pressure as well of the occasion. But not to take away from Ireland, how good yeah. were they? They were yeah. absolutely unreal and tenacious um, in and around our midfield and so, so physical and so, so confident as well. So I thought they were really performed and that rattled our girls a bit as well. Yeah, physical team. And I think they beat them last time out as well. So we shouldn't just assume that it was going to be, you know, again, coming back to expectations that the Aussies were just going to steamroll them. Yeah, correct. They lost 3-2 over in the UK about 18 months ago to the Irish. Very, very different match. I would say this is a far more improved Irish outfit. Um, I think, look, based on last night's performance, the reality is, 
we didn't score out of free play, right? We scored off a penalty. Um, and in any other case, it could have gone either way without that penalty. So things for, for the team to look at. Of course, super happy that we've secured the win. The whole country's super happy about that. But I know the coaching staff well enough that they'll go back, look at the things that perhaps weren't clicking and make some adjustments for Nigeria. Yeah, and just a bit has been made in the lead-up, I suppose, as well, this year about how the Matildas, uh, you know, have improved their set-piece defending under Gustafsson. A bit's been made of that in the lead-up. And, hey, they had plenty of them to defend last night. Yeah, there were quite a few, and I thought Ireland's set-pieces looked extremely sharp. I thought they looked really threatening every single time. Katie McCabe's corners, I thought a few of them were actually going in. They were that good. Um, but, look, the Matildas have improved. Ireland are a very strong team in the air as well, um, and so they really battled that out quite well. It was good to see uh, Claire Polkinghorn come on and take the field, just to almost marshal that defence towards the end and hold out that win. And even those late, I guess, contests in the air, she was present for and able to assist Alana Kennedy as well. Hey, Alicia, what do we need to know about someone like Katrina Gorey, who, oh, what a ball of energy she's in the middle of the park. Like, she broke up the play, she pulled the strings when it was her turn, her passing was great. What a what an energetic presence to have in the middle of the park for, for the Matildas. Yeah, uh, Katrina Gorey has come back in like, career-best form, to be fair, after uh, birth of her baby. So I, I'm so impressed with her. I, she's based in Brisbane when she is in Australia, which is my little home city. And she works extremely hard. She works extremely hard on her fitness and her strength. And it, it's coming through in leaps and bounds, and so is her confidence as well. You can see she's just a player that, that is playing with confidence. She marshals that midfield beautifully. She's the connection between defence and the midfield, and then her distribution, like you touched on, Sam, just pumping those balls in and into great areas for basically our speedsters to, to attack. So Hayley Rasser and Courtney Vine, she's, she's been fantastic, and I hope that she can continue um, in this World Cup because she's, she's a real shining light for the Matildas. We're speaking to former Matilda, Alicia Carnivar. So, Alicia, we're off and running in Group B, Nigeria next and next Thursday. What are we to expect from the Nigerians as opponents? Look, I think we, we definitely have another physical match coming up. There's no doubt about that. The African nations typically are very, very athletic. Um, they are also physical, so a very similar match by way of style to Ireland, I'd imagine. Um, and they've got some amazing players. I, I talk a lot about Oshuala, who plays up front for Barcelona. She's a huge, huge player in Europe, um, and she'll be up front for Nigeria. She's very fast, very tall, very mobile, great in the air. Um, and just her, her shot accuracy is superb as well. So we'll have our work cut out for us just in the attacking sense of Nigeria. Mm. It's whether we can put enough pressure on them as well. Like we always do, we play in that attacking style of football, whether we can start to expose them down the, down the wings and, and cut in behind, which is our strength at the moment, particularly without Sam, it's sort of that, that head roll in the strike force. That, that'll be our strength, I think, against Nigeria. But Another tough match ahead. Now, obviously, no, Sam Kerr. That goes that same. But do you envisage any uh, any changes being made at all before this one? Look, there's a possibility of Polkinghorn perhaps coming back in against a player like Ashwala playing up front for Nigeria. I'd imagine that Tony might look to have his best defensive pair in the back line. And to me, Claire Hunt's been wonderful. But in these games where they're trying to secure their progression to the round of 16, mm. I think Tony might look at switching Polkinghorn for Hunt and have Kennedy and Polkinghorn back in that, that connection back at the centre of defence. 
And just coming back to the mental side of the game, Alyssa, you're someone who's played, like to, to now have that almost rip the Band-Aid off sort of experience where, you know, okay, we've gone out and we've played, that the build-up has been endless and all the expectation and pressure around that. Now that they've done that and they've won, can you see almost a – could you make man an argument that the weight could almost be lifted and they might play with a bit more freedom next Thursday? Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, the Nigerian game was always going to be, um, I guess, the, the telling story of the group for mm. us. If we look at if we lost last night or if we drew against Ireland last night, we would have to win in Brisbane next week. Um, if we win or if we won last night, which essentially we have, um, the key now is to secure the next win to be able to relax against Canada because Canada are the Olympic champs. Canada have beaten us in our last two matches here on home soil. Um, so for me, I still think they'll be looking for that win. They'll be still pushing really strongly for that there. I don't think they'll relax just yet. But I think Tony will be looking to get six points early so the Canadian match isn't hinged on the results. And do you feel a bit better having got that first game under the belt? <laughs> oh, we all do, right? <laughs> as soon as we scored, there was this collective sort of sigh of relief in and around Stadium Australia, and we could feel it even in, in comms. You just, it, yep. it was a very, very tenacious match for both teams. And so once that first goal was scored and the only goal of fourth, just felt a little bit more comfortable and um, on we go. Hey, it was a great listen last night, Alicia. Loved it. Uh, best of luck for the rest of the tournament. Really appreciate your insights this morning. Amazing. Thanks for having me on. And big games ahead over the weekend. So we'll watch and, and see how the Chilis pull up next week. Indeed. Alicia Carnivas joining us uh, there. Great to have her on the lawn. Oh, we also haven't mentioned New Zealand. Raucous scenes over there at Eden Park. They got the tournament started first with a shock win over Norway. Uh, first ever win in a World Cup for the uh, New Zealand girls. And their Prime Minister was on and like ours. I haven't mentioned Albo. What about Albo? Pitch side. Spreading the love and the congratulations for the Matildas. Uh, both Prime Ministers were pitch side for their respective countries. Uh, great to have Alicia on. We talk all things World Cup. We'll do that uh, on the captain's run right throughout the duration of the tournament. Hey, Melbourne's weather today, partly cloudy, chilly again, top of 14. It's for City Power. They supply power to homes in the CBD and the inner suburbs.